Hello, everyone, and welcome to One Control Port Podcast, episode 274. My name is Benjamin Yoder. I'm here today to talk to you about video games. Got a pretty, pretty lengthy list of notes here this week, although that doesn't necessarily mean it might well end up being a long show. You know, sometimes I talk about things for like two seconds. Other times we get stuck on it for like 10 minutes. So, uh, but we'll be talking about Psychic Force Puzzle Tyson this week, as well as uh, some Tokyo Game Show stuff, Um, potential things to be looking at there. Uh, A couple of new games. Yeah, a couple of new games, new localization, some old games, good mix of stuff. Pretty much across the board. No Buddy Mission Bond news, though, unfortunately. So, Although I think they're still posting updates about their new event. I have not really been tracking to see what's going on, but that's happening sometime this month. That's that's soon. So we'll see. We'll see. Maybe I'll get a Blu-ray release as well. Um, But yeah, uh, this week I played through pretty much the remainder of uh, Psychic Force Puzzle Tyson. I know I talked about this last week, although I really don't know how much more I have to say about it. Um, But Psychic Force Puzzle Tyson is really, um, uh, you know, a a puzzle bobble game. Uh, It is literally puzzle bobble. Like, it's Taito themselves who made this. But it basically has a Psychic Force skin. So Psychic Force being this old PlayStation. I think a Dreamcast fighting game as well. Um, But, uh, yeah, so it's just that. But, like, with the cute chibi characters from the fighting game and stuff like that. I assume, you know, remixed music and things like that. I don't know Psychic Force really at all. This is literally, in some ways, the very first Psychic Force game I'm playing. Um, I, I think I touched Psychic Force briefly in the past, but like, you know, for like a, I'm putting this disc in to see what it's like kind of thing. Not a, not a, like I'm playing through the entirety of Psychic Force's arcade mode or something like that. So anyways, but I played through it and yeah, I mean, I, it's something I talked about a little bit about last week was like, I don't know how much strategy there is to a game like Puzzle Bobble. I'm sure there is, right? Um, but it really seemed to be based off what I talked about with people, uh, with, and then also looking at videos online that largely it's just kind of like, Hey, try to get a line that you can break. And so you can like drop, you know, essentially there's like a, a, you know, you could set up a line of a colored orbs. And then if you break that, it will basically cause everything, you know, blow it to, to fall down. Uh, but if there's any, even one orb that's connecting like the rest of it, then it will basically, you know, keep that entire piece from falling until that one orb is broken. And so you have, I don't know how many colors, maybe like five to six colors. So it, it gets really difficult to actually set those things up. And then if you're doing like in the the uh, story mode of this game, there's a competitive mode. So other, the other players like junk flies up on your screen and stuff like that. So um, but I was trying to look up like strategies and stuff for this. And I really didn't find anything other than just be like, hey, react fast. And then um, if you find like a spot that you have like a bunch of like one color sitting and there's a lot of opportunity for you to build on it and then break it, just go ahead and throw a bunch of junk below it and then break it. So it falls down and you send a bunch of junk to the other player's screen. Again, you you, you really got to be careful, though, because like one set of junk that the player sends to you can cover up that entire section and really ruin your life, especially if you've built up like this big hanging, you know, grouping of orbs and then and then, you know, the junk flies up and blocks off your ability to break them off and you're you're it's pretty easy to die from there. Um, I feel like it's a very like high risk high reward game I say as somebody who's not, you know, um particularly knowledgeable of puzzle games. Um but yeah, it seems pretty straightforward or pretty straight uh, simple and straightforward and I, I get the impression this version of the game um, probably does not offer that much more over other versions of Psychic, uh, of Puzzle Bubble. I mean, I don't know. This is the first Puzzle Bubble I've played in its entirety, but, you know, it's pretty straightforward. You have three modes versus, 
Um, you have uh, the story mode, which is essentially, you know, versus against the CPU with these little cutscenes. I didn't bother trying to translate the cutscenes, although somebody on GameFAQs has translated all the cutscenes. If I knew that before I started playing, I probably would have pulled them up, but I didn't do that. Um, but yeah, on GameFAQs, somebody went and translated the entire um, uh, dialogue sections there. So if you want to follow along, but it, it seemed pretty like goofy stuff. You know, it's all chibi, fun kind of things. There's a lot of like little pieces of arts and set pieces. Well, not a lot of them. It's, it's just basically the end of it. And then there's like these little like, you know, character portraits kind of talking but instead of character portraits the sprites standing on each side um and and so you have that part of it and then you have the one player mode and i personally find the one player mode to be the more enjoyable because it is not versus so you basically just have to you know uh break the orbs but nothing's like you know populating on screen you basically just have to break them within a certain number of turns because as as you're breaking them you know depending on how many turns you take i assume i, I assume it's not based off time um the uh top of the um the board will start to come down so eventually you know if you don't break them fast enough the very top of the board will be like really close to you so obviously you know if it pushes it down too far it'll push it off you know below you and then that's the game over state kind of thing so so I personally preferred that mode. It didn't have any story elements to that mode, but they did have unlockable um, art kind of thing. So they'd be like little, you know, pieces of art you unlock with each board. And then you can go and look at them in an album mode. And then just like, you know, probably about like nine pieces of art for each character. And there's, um, I think, nine characters plus one bonus character, I believe. So it feels like a, a kind of like a fan disc in some ways that just kind of like has bubble bobble stapled onto it <laughs> in some way. So it's actually a bonus CD on there, too. I think it's largely promotional stuff for other games, though. I'd have to go back and look at it. But um, it's a two disc set. But that second disc, I think, is just largely like, you know, hey, look, take it and look at the trailer for the next game and things like that. So, um, yeah, I don't really know how much more there is to say about it, though. I think the music's good. I think the, the art style is nice. The animations are fun. There's voice acting throughout the whole game. And um, there's like these little set pieces that happen at the end of each character's chapters that I think are really cute. And, uh, you know, I don't know if there's much more to say about that beyond, you know, I assume a lot of people in the world have played Puzzle Bobble. It's just my first time doing it. Um, I guess the one thing I can say, like with Puzzle Bobble, is like a lot of the strategy comes down to like being able to point, you know, put the orb where you want it to. Because when you have a little arrow at the bottom of the screen, you have to kind of like see the trajectory in your mind. And you can't play on easier modes where they actually draw the lines. And when you do that, like it, it kind of... In some ways, it kind of ruins the challenge, probably. Um, but it is a lot of just like, oh my gosh, is this gonna make it? I don't know. This might not make it. And then you shoot, and then like it gets stuck on side of on the side of another orb. And like, ah, god dang it! A lot of that kind of stuff. Although one thing I did not realize is that the L and R buttons in the game actually like slightly adjust your aim. I was using the D pad the whole time, and it was always overshooting. So, so it, yeah, it's a good thing to keep in mind for future bubble balls. I assume is check the the L and R buttons to see if they have like incremental. Uh, 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 adjustments, but yeah, I, I really don't know if there's much more to say about that though. I mean, as somebody who doesn't, has not played puzzle bobble, um, you know, I can't really say much about like if this one differs in any major way, <laughs> but I think it's a great like way to play this game. If you maybe prefer something with a more like, you know, nineties anime aesthetic, um, over, you know, little, little dragons throwing, you know, orbs to the top of the screen. So, so yeah, um, that's, I don't know when I'll play another puzzle game like that. It's, it's pretty rare I play kind of like a, a falling block puzzle game or something that's like within that style. So um, I'm glad I did finally sit down and play this one because I've had it basically since my trip to Japan. I got the whole set for like 100 yen. Um, and, and I was like, sure, why not? One buck for, you know, essentially this big two disc set thing and it's a puzzle game. Sure, I'll try it. And sure enough, it was probably worth probably worth it probably worth it. I really enjoyed it. I did stream it a little bit. If you want to go watch me um, stream it, basically, if you did not know, 
Um, last week, the Napple Tail stream failed yet again. My internet's being spotty. Contacted my ISP. They're gonna, you know, do their whole runaround where they try to blame, you know, every piece of equipment in your path before they ever go look at, you know, anything <laughs> in terms of wiring. Um, and so, uh, yeah, I'm hoping that that will be fixed by next week, but I just don't have a lot of confidence. So it might be kind of a crap shot. If, 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 if we try to stream next week and the internet is still being crappy, I'm just going to record Apple Tail offline initially and then upload it later. I mean, it sucks to have to do that, but um, I, I, I just want to get moving on Apple Tail. So, uh, but yeah, so um, basically I, I waited a couple hours and eventually my internet kind of cleared up. It was still a little choppy at times. It wasn't super bad, but I, I finished up um, uh, Puzzle or Psychic Force Puzzle Tyson uh, during that stream. I was planning on doing that anyways, um, like playing it on my own. Um, so I was just like, ah, no, just turn on the stream. I didn't get the green screen up or anything. I just basically, you know, turned on the gameplay feed and that was it. And a couple people showed up streaming at a different time than usual. So he had some uh, new turnouts, which was kind of fun. Um, so I do, I do sometimes think about moving the stream time back to like six o'clock, um, especially right now, since I don't really have any like need to, to work within a specific particular schedule. So I might, I might move it earlier just cause it does get late. You know, if I'm starting at seven, that's like 10 o'clock Eastern time. Right. So it is, it is pretty late over there. So, uh, I might do that. I might do that. I know I said that before, but I think last time I was saying it, I was still working with that um, company and I, and I wasn't sure if they were going to be okay with me doing that or not. So, so yeah, but now I'm my own boss for now, at least <laughs> So <laughs> choose my own salary, pay myself however, however much I want. Although I only have so much money in the business bank account. So, <laughs> um, so yeah, unfortunately, Napple tail did not work out. Um, but we'll, 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 Next week, we'll do it. Unless some some crazy other thing happens, we'll start streaming it. If it fails, I'll go offline and I'll record playing it on my own. And then you'll get to look at me the next day, ramble to myself while I uh, play two and a half hours of Napletail. So... <laughs> Um, I also got to the post-game dungeons in Crystal Chronicles with my friends recently, so this is my uh, second time playing Crystal Chronicles Remastered, the first time I played with another friend, we got to the post-game dungeons, didn't really mess with them that much, um, I went back and looked at my footage and <laughs> we actually had the soft lock on us on our second dungeon, and I don't think we ever played it again after that, <laughs> um, so, uh, so yeah, we're, we just got to the post-game there, and, um, I'm looking forward to it to some degree, like, I don't really have a lot of confidence that Crystal Crystal Chronicles has an interesting post game, especially from what little we've played so far. Um, but you know, I'm willing to kind of you know put up with it for the most part. Like it, it's a it's a fun enough game to just chat and like melee with. It reminds me a lot of, like Fancy Star Online. We're like Fancy Star Online, maybe not the most engaging gameplay experience, but it was like just the right amount for like chatting while doing stuff. Right, it was very low stakes, but also the combat was very straightforward, especially in a game that. You know, you, you, you didn't have voice chat, you're using keyboard, and, and a lot of players may not even have a keyboard. I'd say most players probably did not, where they're using an on-screen keyboard instead of the type and things like that. I think the pacing made a lot of sense for Fantasy Star Online, and Crystal Chronicles feels kind of of that era of, like, multiplayer games are simpler in some ways um, with that stuff, so... Um, but yeah, I'm really looking forward to, uh, wrapping that up. But, um, the, the weird problem with it is that like dungeons only, um, unlock on certain day, days for post game and they don't randomize. It's the same dungeons each of those days. So it's like Monday, they have these dungeons, Tuesdays, they have these dungeons, but if you're only playing once a week and like people have schedules and stuff, that's kind of hard. So I think we're going to try to move it to the weekend at some point and then, uh, try to, um, 
finish up the dungeons there. I, I uh, yeah, we'll see. I I'm not super excited for it, but but we we I will enjoy it nonetheless. So, <laughs> um, so yeah, that's pretty much it in terms of what I played. Um, the Xenoblade Chronicles Three. I lied to you guys. I'm sorry. I did not mean to lie to you. <laughs> I said last week Xenoblade Chronicles Three video was not coming out this week. Uh, it absolutely did come out that week. So if you did not see that video is up on the YouTube channel. Um, I was not expecting it to because the first four minutes of the video was pretty intense on the editing. And then the next four minutes after that was like somewhat intense. And then the last four minutes was actually kind of a breeze because I was talking about very general vague things. So I could really kind of drop whatever footage I wanted in without having to think about it. And then it would just kind of come together. Um, so, so Xenoblade Chronicles 3 was one of those, those videos that kind of at the end really moved fast, which is good because that video was something I wanted to get out as soon as possible. Um, there are issues with doing a, a video like that in the, um, in the time frame of like a release window. I mean, the same thing with Battle of Wonderworld. There's a lot of things I don't like about the Battle of Wonderworld video, but when I think about how quickly I had to put it together and things like that and how quickly I got it out... Um, I think it's understandable, and the same thing with this video. I think there are some points in there that I don't particularly um, excel at making, um, and I think there are also better ways I could have conveyed certain sets of information. But when you're doing a video like this, you kind of get your first draft, and then that first draft kind of becomes the final draft in a lot of ways. So it's unfortunate that that's how it has to go, but also... If you want to try to get in within like a relevant time frame, um, then there you go. And it's already a month after the game came out. So like, obviously I'm already kind of outside that relevant time frame, but it's not like I got a copy early. So I had to play a hundred, hundred hour RPG, then write a script and put, edit a video together. So I'm happy for what, what happened and how it came out. And also I think it did a lot for me in terms of better understanding myself when it comes to what I like about Model of Soft games and thinking about like how each game fits into that. So a good reminder that I, um, that I uh, uh, need to um, go back and uh, play um, games like Soma Bringer. Soma Bringer is definitely high on my list of to-do. And then also get to Super Robot Tyson Endless Frontier Exceed. Um, I don't know if I'm going to do Project Cross Zone 2, to be honest with you. It's... From what I read, Project Cross Zone 1 and 2 are nearly identical. Just different characters and different, you know, set pieces. And I really do not like Project Cross Zone 1. Um, I, I like it better than Xenosaga Episode 3, from my memory, I should say, but in and, and revisiting Xenosaga Episode 3, um, I think my feelings are actually very similar <laughs> to how I felt back then. In terms of, like, combat, I'm just like, oh, yeah, this is kind of eh. But, um, but I was really happy to revisit Botan Kaitos, though, in Xenosaga Episode 2. I think those games play great, and I am very happy that the ga the combat systems of those games seem to really hold up in a way that I thought they they would. So I'm glad I got the chance to revisit that. So um, thankfully, I was able to use all my own footage. Uh, Xenoblade Chronicles 3, I only needed one really little bit of cutscene footage, and that game has an event viewer. Though, interestingly enough, so the, the, the if you didn't see the video, in that in that video, I make like a, I don't know if you call it a joke, I don't know, a reference to Xenosaga Episode 3 having Jesus Christ in it. Um, and uh, he shows up in like a scene, like a singular scene. Um, and, and it's like a big enough meme that Jesus Christ is in Xenosaga episode three that I'm like, I don't really care putting it in there. Although I put it in there, then realize there's like an actual spoiler in that scene. So very last minute, like 
I, I like the night before edited it in this thing to cover up the spoiler, but it was actually kind of too big to cover. So I put this big old badge in front of it. That's like super, super distracting. So it doesn't look great, but anyways, but anyways, the, the, the point I'm trying to get to though, is I've always seen this picture, these pictures of, Z of Jesus Christ in like very clear view in those like scenes in the game when I look online. Um, but when I loaded up an event viewer, there's like this very intense, like bloom filter on it in a way that's like, you know, very intentional to be like, we're obfuscating how things look. And I had never seen it like that before on the internet, at least I've always seen it in that, that very, very clear look. And so like, I wonder if it's the, like a PCS, PC, PC, PS2 effect, whatever the P, PS2 emulator that everybody likes to use. I wonder if there's like a lighting issue in that game or like if breaks the filter, because, you know, unless there's ways to get different versions of that cutscene on the system itself, um, you know, I, I, it was completely different aesthetically. So I was kind of surprised how just different it was on, 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 uh, my actual console at least. So, so yeah, but all the footage at the end was all mine. So I, I'm always happy when I can do that without having to pull from somewhere else. You know, I'm a little unhappy with the Xenosaga footage of uh, episode one footage I had to use, but I, I mostly utilized episode two because the re the reality was, is that I was I wanted to mostly represent games that I personally felt um, represented my values with Monolith Soft. And Xenosaga Episode 1 definitely does do that. And But I feel like Xenosaga Episode 2 is more so, even more so. Because Xenogears is a game that I think, at the time when it came out, at least from a Western perspective, I think the combat system was like really kind of neat. You know, it was more, if you ever played like Final Fantasy VI, there's like these kind of like uh, button combo inputs you can do with it. I think it's the name Sabin or something like that. Um, and it kind of like they took that and then, and so instead of making it like a traditional JRPG, they add like these kind of fighting game inputs onto the combat system. Um, and it's like a really neat way to like handle that um, in, in a game. Uh, and, and Dino Saga kind of in some ways builds on top of that, but it is it is quite a bit different. Um, uh, maybe, I don't know. It's been, a, it's been a long time. My memory is if, you know, Xeno gears is that it is a lot more focused on that, like different button inputs for different combos, um, where I feel like Xeno saga is more about like, you can connect two different attacks and then those attacks will like connect into a finisher. So the, the implementation feels a little different. And, and, you know, I might say, I think gears might feel slightly better based off my memory alone. I have not played gears recently, but, um, yeah, that's just a thought. I had brain thought, brain thought, Benjamin brain thoughts. <laughs> um, so, so yeah, but, um, the video thankfully did very well from a, um, view perspective. You know, I, I'll be honest with you. I have not really had many video wins this year. Um, nothing I've put out really this year has done very well. So this video did very well. I think the big question here is, is, is this an evergreen video or does this video die when Xenoblade Chronicles three gets out of the traditional news cycle here? Right. And I think we're at the tail end of that. So, you know, I, I'm hoping I'll get to like a thousand before that happens, at least that like 750 as I'm talking right now. Um, the big thing I was worried about, though, initially um, is the uh, dislikes on it. So obviously you guys can't see the dislikes or at least you can't without some kind of tool. YouTube removed dislikes and it was this big conundrum or whatever. I've talked about dislikes on here before and really like to sum up my thoughts on dislikes. I think from a user perspective, dislikes are valuable because it tells you the quality of a content, uh, the quality of the content. Um, or, or at least it gives you a, it gives you a quick judgment. That's not to say it's about the quality per se, cause, cause I'll get into that in a little bit. Um, but, but, uh, 
but from a creative perspective, I have a really hard time finding anything valuable from it because it does not give me the feedback I want. It is a blanket, no bad video. And it's like, okay, what did you not like? Yeah, as a variety content creator who makes tons of different types of videos, tons of different types of content, is that a successful model for creating a channel? Whole other thing. <laughs> but, but you know, um, dislikes just don't really tell me a lot. Do you not like the video format? Do you not like my opinion? Do you think the, the video is poorly produced? Do you think the writing was bad? There's so many different things. And I really wish when they did dislikes, they had like something similar to the reporting system, where there's like a series of checkboxes of like general things. I think dislikes could really be improved that way. However, now I'm wondering if dislikes are that valuable for even from like a user perspective, because um, what my friend told me, cause I was a little worried cause it, it, the video is like at like 45% like, so it, it got hammered hard. You know, I kind of expected that, you know, to being somewhat negative about a very popular game right now. You know, some people are just going to be upset to be upset. Um, although, you know, I, again, I don't get any feedback, so who knows? Maybe they have legit criticism and I don't know. Uh, most of what I've heard from comments and things like that seem to be good video, but I disagree with you kind of thing. Um, but but I think, I think it's always important to say that like in my videos, I'm not necessarily trying to convince you to change to my opinion. Um, but what I want to do is make sure you at least understand where I'm coming from with that. Like it, for me, it's success if you come away and say, I understand how you feel. That's my biggest thing. I don't care if you agree with me that much, but I, I, as long as you're like the pieces you laid out made sense and the argument you made was substantial enough to prove the point that you're trying to make. Um, you know, obviously we can all feel differently about games. And I think the very big thing with this video in particular was, um, you know, I have a very specific perspective that I think is very different from a lot of modern Xenoblade fans. And that's not necessarily a bad thing. Um, but it's going to be different, um, because my values of what that company has excelled at is a little different, I think, than somebody who maybe just came in with like the Xenoblade series specifically. Right. Um, so anyways, but, uh, but yeah, so we got a lot of dislikes and a friend of mine was telling me, it was like, actually, you know, dislikes are good to get. I was like, what? <laughs> and it's like, yeah, as long as it drives engagement with your videos, you dislikes are good. And then YouTube takes that as like a good thing. And it's like, Hey, we'll, we'll do more with this video. So that like, to me, kind of like in some ways kills the point. Like you would think it would affect the algorithm and that like you say, okay, this video content is like it is being reported as bad quality, right? Um, so we would be less likely to share it. But I did some research and it seems like that's the case. It seems bizarre to me. So I don't know. I don't know why you would do that. And it feels like that would encourage people to make very divisive videos, right? Where it's like, you can't really have something that falls in, in between as much. You need, a, you need to, you want people to be really, really upset enough that they're going to smack that dislike button or very, very positive that they're going to smack that like button. And I, and I don't know how I feel about that, to be honest with you. Um, so anyways, I think the big thing is though, like, I don't, I don't blame anybody for giving me dislikes. That's perfectly fine. I think the big thing is, is that if you do give me dislikes, I will say this, if you could leave a comment or if you don't want to like help the algorithm or whatever, if you, you don't want to comment, I've seen people like make comments and delete them. Cause like, I don't want to support the alg algorithm. Like, all right, that's fine. But, but, uh, just send me a message too. I'll, I have plenty of platforms I'm available on. I just like the feedback. I do not get much feedback. So the more feedback I get, the, the better I am because I feel like I'm learning something. I mean, I think a lot of the buddy mission bond, uh, sorry, if you're the person who told me this, I, I kind of hate singling you out in some ways. I don't know. It feels weird sometimes. Although maybe you like, I don't know who cares the, uh, panel I did, um, the, um, playing Japanese games without knowing the language, like some feedback I got on that, um, really changed how I 
conveyed that information in the buddy mission bond video. So like getting feedback can be really helpful for those things because I think I really did a good job of rounding out the end of that buddy mission bond video in terms of like explaining how using machine translation and all those things actually works in a way that I did not do at the, the panel itself. So admittedly the panels are always like a little bit more fast and loose. And, and sometimes I don't necessarily know, you know, how, how, how quickly I'll get the chance to actually work on it before the board comes up. But anyways, so yeah, um, it was just kind of a whole thing with, with the dislikes. But at the end of the day, I think the comments that were on the video were very well thought out generally. So I was very happy to respond to those and I'm very happy with that. So we'll see. Hopefully it keeps, uh, keeps chugging along. Um, I would love to do more model soft videos in the future, but, um, it probably take a lot of work if I'm going to do something a bit more expansive. I may take the approach of like breaking it up. One thing I've always wanted to do is go back and revisit Bot and Kaito's game to talk about the dungeons in that game. So maybe I could break it up in a way that it wouldn't be as um intense on like we're going to talk about every element of these monolith soft games across an entire series because that'd be a very long video but if i'm just like hey we're just gonna talk about dungeons then maybe that would be better but anyways um I, in the short term though i think soma bringer is definitely a game i want to sit down and play when i get the chance so um it's also worth mentioning here real quick before we move on sorry i know i'm kind of rambling on right now um I did take some time to kind of like make a schedule for the rest of this year just to kind of figure out like with the two weeks kind of back and forth between Patreon and and the main YouTube channel, it kind of makes it a little easier to plan in a lot of ways, honestly, which is kind of nice. Um, it does kind of limit what I put out as much as though, but I think it's a good limit because I'm, I'm less impulsive in the type of content I'm making, I feel like, um, and doing it this way. And I think making the podcast clips instead of doing full casual reviews for things that don't necessarily need it, I think is, um, has been something I'm, I'm, I'm liking on my side, at least. I don't know, you know, always feel free to give me feedback on how that's working out for you. If you're like, I really hate that you're reposting your podcast clips with, with footage, then, you know, feel free to do, say what you say, but, but at least from my side as a creator, it's been, uh, it's been helpful and it gets my thoughts out there without necessarily having to edit this whole video together separately from what I would have probably already just said, you know, slightly better in a casual review format, but not like that much better. Um, but yeah, I did go ahead and kind of make a schedule for the rest of this year, kind of tried to plan out, um, the videos. So, um, you know, I'm, I've got the Doraemon video that I, I've talked about before. I need to kind of piece that together. Um, again, that's not going to be like a premiere video. I think it is an edited and scripted video. I think I'm largely going to try to stick to scripted videos for those types of videos. I don't think you're going to see nearly like any casual reviews or anything like that as much anymore. But obviously I'm going to have my things where I'm talking at the desk and talking about random garbage as well. So, um, you know, it's, it, it, I think it'll be good to have more scripted content generally um, and just trying to be better at like building a script faster. I think that's something I really would like to improve on. And I think uh, the, 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 the um, Doraemon video is an example of like, hey, I was able to put this up together pretty quick. And, you know, I, I think it's a solid script. Um, I don't think it's like, you know, as good as a Buddy Mission Bond or a, even the Xenoblade video in some ways, but... Um, and then, yeah, got to work on the Chibi Robo stuff still um, and a handful of other things. So I got some things laid out. I'm not going to stick to like a hard, hard, like I have to have this this week kind of thing. But I'm generally just trying to figure out, you know, what the rest of my year looks like. Because it's coming up at the end of the year. It's September, guys. It's almost the end of 2022. Wow. Congratulations. Welcome to the Patreon. Have you been a Patreon for all 2022? Did you know I launched Patreon in 2022? <laughs> Anyways. It's Patreon time. Henry Dagger, thank you so much. Paul Daniel, 
Thank you so much. Although I'm, I always feel bad, Paul. I have not done any PCFX stuff recently. Although Sparkling Feather is on that list of things for the end of this year. For two years, we're talking about Sparkling Feather. So do not trust me. But I am planning on it. It is on the list. It is always on the list. But it is something that is that is I want to do. I would like to do that for the end of the year, if anything. Um, Jillian. Um, and then also discreet um so hey did you guys know that if you gave five dollars to the patreon you get bonus videos this week patreon people are getting my buddy mission bond cup unboxing videos so i bought those four buddy mission bond cups so i unboxed them um and then i also poured soda into them <laughs> in the color scheme of buddy mission bond um so if you want to see me sit there and like have a hard time pouring soda into some, some cups and then messing it up and then like guzzling a cup of soda to try to move on with my life. Um, you can watch that there. That is something that I did. Very exciting. Um, and then uh, I'm not sure what comes up after this, honestly. But anyways, there's other bonus content there. Article uh, readings and commentaries on past videos I did and stuff like that. So again, that's at the $5 level if you want to contribute to that. Now, typically, typically, People who get the Patreon also can ask a Patreon question. However, this last week I forgot to post the Patreon question post, I just realized. So, um, I'm sorry. <laughs> I will try to make sure one goes up this week. Um, so I went ahead and pulled the Jillian question, though, um, per, per usual on that. And uh, Jillian's question was, what non-dress-up games have you enjoyed doing dress-up in? Um, so, you know, obviously I'm a fan of games for girls but you know how often i play them is a whole other thing but uh you know glamour and like outfit design stuff and is something that has happened in a lot of video games is is all over the place if anything i'd say maybe it became a much bigger part of the industry <laughs> thanks to things like loot boxes and live games and people being like yeah i want to dress up my cat girl and make her look like a sailor this week and then they pay money to do that and then they do that on Fox 14 it's like yay my life is complete <laughs> um, so so yeah um but in terms of games that stand out to me um i want one thing to loop back to xenoblade chronicles 3 this is not dress up really but um i do really appreciate the different outfit designs in Xenoblade Chronicles 3 that change with each class. Um, so basically, every time you switch class, you get different outfits. And those outfits generally are thematically the same, but they um, differ slightly for at least the male versus female characters. I don't remember how it is in terms of like... Um, uh, like I don't know if like the male designs alter that much, but uh, it was very, very, I think, consistent across the board generally uh, when it comes to gender. I think that's always something that I appreciate is when like outfit designs, the, the original look of them is kind of kept the same. You don't end up with like the lady version having a ton of skin and the guy version being completely covered up. I feel like Xenoblade Chronicles 3 did a good job of balancing that and, um, you know, keeping it where like, even though the, the, you know, the guys don't have any, well, I guess it depends on, you know, what you feel about like man man chest and like how bubbly that could be depending on our i guess like what's his name lands lands might have a bigger chest than the other men in that game but like they have like uh you know top like i guess i don't know i'm my, my brain is serving me the word corset but it's not like a corset anyways but like they have pieces that would typically only be like on a lady's like breastplate kind of thing and uh, they they do that for the guys as well, and I and I kind of appreciate that they like keep that design consistent, um, personally. So, um, so anyways, that that's not part of this. I just thought about it as we were talking about it. Um, but anyways, games that I like to dress up in. Um, ah oh man, what is anything recently? I will say, Fantasy Star Universe was probably one of the first games I really went out of my way for dress up in. 
um, you know, that game has quite a bit of different outfit designs. And so I would try to consistently change my outfits in that game. I like jackets in game, it's er, jackets in game. So, um, I would often uh, get all the jackets in the game and just try those things out. Um, but that's kind of like a future sci-fi kind of look. And, and, and sometimes like at some point, like I will get to the no part where I'm like, I've worn all these other outfits and then I'm going to wear the, what I consider ugly outfits. But you know, sometimes something looks ugly upon your first impression, but when you find enough pieces that make it work with it, you're like, Oh, this actually looks okay. So I kind of like that, that bit of like trying to make a piece work, even if I don't particularly like it. Um, I've tried to do this with like lady characters as well, as I mentioned earlier. So, so if you don't know, like for me, when it comes to like character designs for men versus women kind of thing, I kind of, I like novelty, as you may expect listening to this podcast in general. So, like, the more I see, like, women that, that like, character design-wise that have, like, a bunch of skin showing, kind of the less I want to see it and the more I want to see a character that's, like, more covered up because I'm like, oh, this actually feels a bit different than, like, a usual lady character design. And then, like, for the men, it's vice versa, where it's, like, men are almost always covered up. So, like, whenever a man's showing, like, skin on their thighs or something, I'm like, oh, they did something different. That's neat. So, like, I kind of appreciate that. Um, so on like the lady side, I, I kind of don't like skin as much when I make those kind of character designs. However, I like with starting with God Eater 2 specifically, um, there's a lot of just like, you know, outfits that just show off a ton of cleavage or, or belly stuff for my memory. At least I don't remember for sure. In my, in my mind, when I went to the, when I started playing a lady in that version of the game, the, the, the outfits felt a lot more revealing, at least compared to being a guy. <laughs> um, and, um, I, w- I was really going my way to try to try like the different like outfits and like even though this outfit is literally just like a jacket that like barely covers her boobs and then like sways out so like she's basically bare chested with a jacket on right uh that's just like covering the 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 sensitive areas um that I, I would try to work with that and try to make something that I was like happy with generally kind of thing. So God Eater's a big one. Um, and you know, the thing is like, these are usually long running RPG loot driven games. So like, it's just fun, fun to like, you know, uh, switch it up a bit, I think is, is generally how I feel. So um, I will say one thing, I don't know if this really falls within the realm of this question, but I'm going to ramble on anyways. I'm not a huge fan of like MMO end game armor design. Like, I think of like games like Final Fantasy 14 and like World of Warcraft and to some extent Final Fantasy 11. I think it's mainly um, like if you're familiar with Final Fantasy 11, mainly artifact and relic armor and things like that. Although it some of them, I think it looks good and stuff, though. So I don't know. I kind of feel like MMO armor gets really gaudy at some point and I don't like it. Um, and it, it's, it's supposed, I think it's just kind of the, the kind of constant escalation thing that comes with it, right? We need to kind of one up every piece and then like make everything, you know, that's really high level armor look like high level armor. And I just don't like how it looks usually. Um, so I really prefer more simpler pieces of armor. I really like a lot of the, um, lower level gear in those kind of games. And, um, and so I, I really kind of cherish those. And like, that's kind of one thing I liked about Final Fantasy 14 1.0 is that like everyone has this very like drab gear for the most part. And like, it, that does not work well in the context of an MMO for most people. There's a lot of things with Final Fantasy 14 1.0 that doesn't work well within the context of an MMO. Um, but I personally appreciate because I, I kind of prefer that design in a lot of ways. So, 
Um, but yeah, I did do a little dress up in Final Fantasy XI. It was pretty minor stuff, though. I, I was not really like super cognizant of it. But, you know, again, you spend so much time in the game, you inevitably are like, I don't know, this hat looks all right. I'll put that on my character. And it's like a level 36 hat and I'm level 75. Who cares? I'm just walking around town kind of thing. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, but I mean, glamoury and, and stuff like that in these games have kind of made it. So like, if you want to like dress up your character however you want, you can. I personally try to keep like um, new armor on, though, when I'm playing a game actively because like when it's like when it's like a aesthetic attached to gear that has like stats to it right I like to keep um I like to see my armor evolve throughout a game and change and things like that and I, I like getting a new piece of armor and then that changes like the aesthetic of it and I don't like I think I feel like if I glamour my gear so it looks one particular way and just keep it that way it makes my character design a little stagnant in a lot of ways and i'm less likely to like kind of play with different design choices and things like that but i think at that point you know you're looking at armor that looks a particular way that you just kind of end up with and then you end up like you know being a fashion train wreck right so Anyways, um, so I guess really pretty much any action RPG or online MMO or any long-term loot-driven game, I do like doing dress-up in. Is there anything else that's like out of the ordinary from that, though? I don't think so. I think that pretty much covers my bases there. I'm sure there's something, I mean, obviously there's the actual games for girls stuff, but I assume non-dress-up games includes games for girls stuff, so... <laughs> Anyways, thank you guys again for supporting the Patreon. Thank you again, Jillian, for your question. Like I said, I'll try to get that, that question post up this week. Again, typically it's Monday at 3 p.m. Sorry I missed it last week. So let me know if, if you have anything you want to ask. News time. We're here. Two, two beeps only this week. <laughs> I feel like I do not like doing the beep, so I just like caught myself and stopped it. And now I could edit that out of the podcast, but you're here with me today, right now, living in this moment. Um, quick follow-ups here real quick. Um, Penny Blood and Arm Fantasia we talked about last week. These are the, uh, JRPGs that were being double kickstarted and they are, uh, uh, spiritual successors to Shadow Hearts and, uh, Wild Arms. Um, so the goal of that, uh, double kickstarter, so they, they combined their, their money amounts, um, was $700,000 about, um, and it has, uh, surpassed that. There's still 27 days left as I'm recording this, and I think it's, like, at 1.1 million, so I assume it's gonna go up quite a bit from there. Per usual with Kickstarters, there's stretch goals and things like that. I feel like this is the first time I've seen somebody talk pretty positively about a Kickstarter in a long time. These are games that I think people want, and I think the right people want them, and, uh, they have, have a pretty great appeal. I think, like, I feel like a lot of these kind of spiritual successor games kind of puttered out in Kickstarter for a while, but maybe it's just been long enough that it's like, hey, you know, we've learned a lot of lessons hopefully this works out uh, i didn't ever look to see why they're doing a double kickstarter um, maybe it's like something where they're sharing resources between development teams to try to save costs and things like that i will say like even at one million dollars like five hundred thousand dollars for a jrpg um does not seem like a lot uh so i'm i have not looked at their stretch goals to see what they're trying to build onto there but um, you know, I mean, I kind of assume they have some kind of other funding, to be honest with you, because I think I think Bloodstain also got five hundred thousand dollars. And I think Ego is up front just like, hey, this is not enough money to make a video game. But we have support from other people that if we raise five hundred thousand dollars, it shows that we have this like the interest in in the game and people are legitimately like essentially like, you know, 
putting their money where their mouth is, right? So anyway, so, you know, they have graduated from uh, Kickstarter or RPG ideas to potential RPG games, I guess. <laughs> um, they put out full trailers for both Penny Blood and Arn Fantasia. Um, I will say I am not sure these trailers are in-engine. Um, they look very nice. Um, Arn Fantasia looks like it could be believable as gameplay, but Penny Blood specifically, I looked at that and... It just looked like the animations were a little too specific to really be believable. Um, there's no exploration in any of those trailers. So, you know, you weren't seeing somebody just controlling the character moving around the world. It was just like, you know, turn-based combat system. So I think that's something you can easily kind of mock up. So be curious to see what those look like when they um, become more of actual video games. Maybe they've said that it's just like, you know, mock gameplay with fake UI. But um, at least so far, it looks pretty promising um, on that. So, anyway, well, we'll see what happens. Uh, I will probably not play either of them, but, you know, beautiful. I, I just have not played Wild Arms or Shadow Hearts, so their main appeals have not uh, have not gotten to me. Although, I, th I think Shadow Hearts does weird stuff with its combat system, if I remember correctly. Maybe it's just, like, Mar like Paper Mario-ish with, like, timing elements. I'm not 100% I'm not sure. PSA, Printy Presents, NIS Classics Volume 3 is out. You're like, Ben, why are you talking about NIS? You, volume 3, you haven't talked about Volume 1 and 2. What are you doing here? This this collection includes Rhapsody, a musical adventure, which is a game I do uh, like. Maybe not the best video game I've ever played in my life, but it is a very cute game. Um, and uh, yeah, it's like a little uh, musical RPG with like songs and things like that. Um, this version of the game seems to support both Japanese and English, it seems like, based off the uh, page I was looking at. Um, so, you know, the game had different, uh, uh, musical soundtracks on the PS1 or the, or the, uh, or not on the PS1, but in Japan and, and, and the U.S. Um, so it's very cool to see that come back out. They're actually selling it as a bundle with another game called, um, I think it's like La Pucelle Ragnarok. I don't know what that is, but it's also a strategy RPG. However, you can buy them separately on Steam if you only want to get one or the other, but on Switch, it looks like they're all bundled together and there's a physical copy on Switch as well. Um, I think the physical copy on Switch is around 60 bucks where the digital only is like 30 or 40. I think it's 40 actually, because I think they're $20 each on Steam. So, um, it looks like it's the PlayStation one version of, uh, Rhapsody. Um, so what that means is if you don't know if you're not up on your rhapsody details <laughs> is uh the ds version of that game was altered to be a turn-based rpg um, my assumption of why that was the case is because it kind of speeds up the battles battles in a way because the game is actually very simple and doesn't have a lot of depth to it um and the original game is a strategy rpg so you do have to kind of like move your characters across the board and things like that so um it is that strategy RPG game as far as I can tell, uh, although I did not see if there's any way you can like change between the two or something, but from what I saw just looking at screenshots and videos, that's the only type of gameplay I saw in there, but um, personally, I, I love the English version of the musical songs. I played the DS version of the game, which only had the Japanese ones, and I can totally understand why, and you know I appreciate that um, as is, but I personally like the English versions of them, um, so it's, it's good to see both. Um, part of me wants to pick it up. Uh, but I know I will never play through that game again, unfortunately. So <laughs> I, I I will get what I need out of Rhapsody Musical Adventure by going on YouTube and looking up Rhapsody Musical Adventure soundtrack. <laughs> that, that will get me everything I need for the most part. Very cute game. I really love the ending as well. So um, I got all teary-eyed at the end of the thing I came. So sad. I was a little sad little boy. So yes. Tokyo Game Show is coming up. I think it's like uh, mid, I think it's September 15th, something like that. It's it, it's 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 the mid-September. Mid 
the usual time, so that's pretty neat. Um, obviously, all these different companies are announcing their showcases. I'm not going to go over everything here. Uh, I have a link to the page on the um, in the uh, podcast notes um, if you wanted to uh, go look at that. Um, but the things that really jumped out to me is that Square Enix is showing off um, uh, more Star Ocean stuff and Saga stuff. I don't really have a particular interest in that, but I feel like that rubs up enough against us that I should probably mention that. The things I'm really interested in is that they're going to be showing off some uh, Dragon Quest The Adventure of Die. They say Dragon Quest The Adventure of Die special gameplay presentation. Um, so there are multiple um, um, uh, Adventure of Die games that came out. I don't know if they're all published by uh, Square Enix or not. One is made by the um, style savvy developers. Uh, and that's the arcade game. And the arcade game looks really cool. I was like, I, I would really like to try the arcade game. And then there's the mobile game as well. Um, and then there was a console one that they announced a while back ago, multiple years back ago. And they showed it off once. And it was kind of like an isometric action game. Um, and then they showed it off again in like a stream, although it was not in like a trailer format. It was just like somebody playing it and it did not look particularly good. It was like behind the back. It looks like a very generic action kind of game. So if they're showing off the console version of, the, about, of that again, I'm really curious to see what that looks like. This game seems to be going through some development troubles. Those, those mobile and the, uh, the, 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 um, what's it called game? The uh, arcade game have been out a long time at this point. So, um. You know, it seems like a game that probably should have came out a while ago. I don't know if they ever gave a, an original window with it, but maybe maybe my 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 view of time is distorted at this point. But it feels like it's well way overdue. Um, they also have a PC game section. I don't quite know what this is gonna be, and it might just be like, oh, we're porting Final Fantasy something to PC. I don't know. Is, is that a uh, Final Fantasy Origins on PC? I don't remember. Maybe it was like that. Uh, the big thing I'm looking for is to see if First Soldier ends up on PC. Um, it may not even be in the announcements. They didn't say that. It just is on their schedule. It says PC game something or something or the other. So cross my fingers. First Soldier gets a PC version. I did not see any mention of First Soldier on that schedule, which is worrisome to me. <laughs> um, but, you know, I really don't know how well that game is doing at this point. So and then uh, the other company I want to showcase, although one of these games is not a uh, game from them, uh, Konami. Konami says they have a unannounced title from a world-loved series. Um, I don't quite know what that means. They did, like, list some actor, I think. They're like, oh, he's coming to represent this uh, property. But I went and looked at his history and could not find any Konami games he seemed to be involved in. I could just be wrong. I mean, I didn't go and look at every single one. But, um, but I did not immediately see something on the list that was like, oh, yeah that game so um we'll see what that ends up being um maybe you know i would say with most things konami probably keep your expectations in check i saw i saw some uh a token all fans being like a token all too and i was like mm, 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 mm. <laughs> the world love series of a token all too there are two people within the united states that care about a token all <laughs> So, so we'll see. And um, the other thing, this this is actually very exciting. So this is not Konami specifically, but it's going to be in their booth. It sounds like, uh, just as a partner thing, is uh, Magician's Dead's PS4 version is going to be there. Um, I don't think we've heard about that for a long time. So um, I could be wrong. I don't, I don't think there's been any announcements since the initial reveal of it uh, coming. So looking forward to see what that looks like. Um, I might be on board to try Magician's Dead. The problem being, though, is that the main reason I was interested in Magician's Dead was its control scheme in the arcade. And obviously you can't like mimic that at home. If you don't know, Magician's Dead's control scheme is basically a Wii-style nunchuck mixed with a uh, Kinect 
style thing. So you had a nunchuck that you would use to move your character around. And I think there's buttons on it as well. And then you had like a bar that you'd put your hand over and different hand positions would do different things. If you had like a fist, um, if you like, you know, did a pointer or something, it would do different types of moves. And then that also is how you aim. So, you know, in, in going to a PlayStation 4 or yeah, PlayStation 4 controller, I really can't imagine it's going to be that interesting. It probably will play a lot like those typical arena style uh, kind of games. So, but we'll see. I, I, I'm, I'm slightly interested if only from that. There was a, so I don't know if I'm interested in this yet or not, but it's, it's, it's generically announced enough that, um, it might be something that I'm interested in. We'll see. I need to see some gameplay. Um, Miraculous Ladybug, an action adventure game for the Switch. I forget what the full name is. Rise of the Sphinx. Um, they announced this for the Switch. I don't remember when it was coming out. Um, they had a trailer, but it was basically just, you know, showing off the game and engine or, or like the in-game graphics. I don't know if it's necessarily running off a Switch directly. Um, but, uh, it looks okay visually. I think it, it holds up pretty well for what the Switch can do. Um, but I read the press release and it didn't sound very interesting. It sounded like it probably is just going to be like kind of a traditional beat-em-up game. Uh, the developer on board I didn't recognize either, so... Uh, I'll keep an open mind. You know, I love, uh, I don't know if love is the right word. I really enjoy DC superhero girls a lot. So I definitely have space open for this. I liked season one of Miraculous Ladybug. Um, I did not, that's not saying that the later seasons were not as good. I just, you know, kind of watched it for that first season. And then I kind of fell off after that because I don't, I don't typically watch um, shows like that very long. Um, so I really enjoyed it though. I <laughs> had an awkward moment at, uh, I think it was, where was it? Um, Level Up Expo here in town. They have, like, vo booths where, like, voice actors are. But there's, like, usually there's, like, a section where all the voice actors are at. But then sometimes they'll be mixed into, like, the vendor space as well. And so, like, I walked into this one lady's booth, and she, it was clear she was a voice actor. And uh, one of the things I saw, the only thing I recognize is a Miraculous Ladybug. And the thing is, like, oh, Miraculous Ladybug, who do you voice in there? She said a character's name. And I was, like, oh, I have no idea who you're talking about. And she's, like, oh, yeah, here's a picture. And I was, like, oh. That's after season one. I've never seen it. And it was like the most awkward, like, okay, thank you. Bye. <laughs> like I didn't have anything to say. <laughs> Don't know who you are. Uh, so it was kind of funny, but, <laughs> um, you know, it was, it was an interesting little experience there, but yeah, I'll be curious to see what that, uh, turns out to be when that happens. Uh, Xseed is picking up Trinity Trigger. This is a, um, top down, I think a Furyu game, if I recall correctly. It looked like the developers of, um, Alliance Alive, but I think it eventually, I look, I think, uh, I, in looking into it, it is not the, that team, but I think it is Furyu as the publisher. Um, but anyways, Trinity Trigger is being picked up by Xseed. It's like an isometric kind of dungeon crawler kind of thing. I was interested in this game if I could play it with like other people through multiplayer. However, in the press release, they said it is local multiplayer only, which I'm sure is probably true of the Japanese release of the game as well. I just never looked into it so that's unfortunate because i think the multiplayer is the only way i would have really gotten into that and uh, unfortunately i do not have any local friends that i would play with so rest in peace <laughs> so there's that thing coming out in 2023 so look forward to that if you're looking for a multiplayer local rpg um and then uh for old games trip world got trademarked if you don't know what trip world did this is a uh, sunsoft game so sunsoft putting this out i think sunsoft is saying they're announcing a bunch of stuff this month i, I think i think we might be getting towards the end, end of that i feel like they've had a few weeks of announcements now um but uh trip, trip world was trademarked though so they have not officially announced this if this is the case uh, and this is a game boy platformer featuring a bunny 
And, uh, you know, as a Game Boy game, it's pretty straightforward and simple. You know, it is kind of like the Kirby situation where it's all just, like, white. So so the bunny is just a white bunny, right? Um, but that bunny can, like, roll into a ball and bounce around the stage. I always thought it looked really cool, but the game was always way too expensive for me to get. I, I got in way too late on finding out about it. Um, I can't remember if I learned about it through a Jeremy Parrish video or if that was something I saw a lot later on after I had found out about it. But always looks really cute. I might consider picking that up. We'll see. I, I, I like Game Boy games because they're just like nice little bite-sized things you can just sit down and play. Usually, not always. It depends on how hard they are. But I think if I recall correctly, I think Trip World is a very like straightforward game in a lot of ways. So it should be like a, hey, sit down for like a couple hours and be done. Um, I don't know if it has battery backup saves either, so it might also be kind of intended to be beat in a single setting in a very, like, Super Mario Brothers 1 kind of way. Or Super Mario Land 1 kind of way. And then there was some more X68000 uh, teasings from Zuiki. We talked about this a couple weeks ago. They showed off a mouse and keyboard that was, like, molded with the X68000 style and sitting beside it. There was a um, little tiny X68000. If you don't know what this is, this is a Japanese PC. Um, very, uh, I think, popular because it was used to develop games at the time. I think like Street Fighter 2 was kind of famously developed on these machines, if I recall correctly. And uh, they're powerhouse PCs, amazing looking games uh, on them. So the collector market there is very, uh, uh, you know, very specific and very expensive, I think. And like, you know, getting a PC up and running is a whole other thing. I can, I can say with experience as a PC98 owner that uh, getting that stuff up and running is very, 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 very exciting. Um, anyways, um, so uh, so they showed off this this little system and then uh, 4Gamer had put up like a speculation piece of like, maybe it's like a mini X68000 that's like an actual one you can use. Um, and then Zwicky retweeted that post. So I don't know if it was a, you know, promotional post or something like that but you know they retweeted it seemingly to confirm that is going to be but they have not necessarily said that's the case yet um and they posted another x68000 picture um i think that this actually saw i actually saw this before last week's podcast but i did not really dig into it too much but um there's an integrated handle on top which apparently is something that was in the original one so you know it's a portable system just like the gamecube a portable pc it's just the size of like a giant desktop <laughs> but you can pick it up with a handle if you want um <laughs> Anyway, so they're showing off that, that the little tiny handle was on that little tiny thing, uh, but they did not say any details about whether it was um, an actual mini console or not. But one thing that um, 4Gamer pointed out through machine translation, I should specify, um, is that the floppy disk drives or floppy disk slots on the uh, mini PC have smaller slots in the middle. So it looks like you can probably put like an SD card in there um, or something, some kind of flash memory. So, um, so it looks probably, and the fact that Zeke even retweeted this thing in the first place seems very likely it's going to be an X68000 Mini. How many of those things get made is a whole other thing. I remember like, I think it was like Hal made like their own PC98 Mini kind of system once. And then I think they made like some ridiculously small number of, of units and then left it at that. And it, I think even like Sega has been struggling with the Ge Genesis Mini 2 and getting enough of those units. So like, who can really say? Um, but yeah, that's a cute little thing. Um, I'd be curious to see how much it costs. I will never own an X68000. So, you know, that might be something that like, Hey, if this is kind of like, you know, officially condoned emulation of like, this should be generally how they are, I guess in some ways that might be useful to me, um, kind of thing. But, you know, again, it depends on how much it costs and how available they are. I would, be, I would not be surprised if it's like a lottery thing where you have to just submit and then get pulled out as being possible to buy it. That's, that's a very Japanese thing to do with these kind of things, I feel like. So, anyways. 
excited to see what that turns out to be. Hopefully it uh, turns out to be something that is like fairly easy to buy, at least initially um, at launch. So, but that's it. That's it for this week. Thanks for coming. OneControlBar.com is the website. Um, like I said, if you did not see the Xenoblade 3 video last week, that is up now. So go check that out. Um, I have the Buddy Mission Bond Cup video coming up on uh, uh, the Patreon. So if you want to donate $5, donate, pay $5 a month, you get those two bonus videos a month, basically, is what it turns out to be. It's every two weeks there's a bonus video kind of thing. Um, so uh, that's going to be that there if you want to check that out. Um, I need to make I need to update the Patreon page on the um, One Control Report website to put all the free content on one page. I haven't done that yet. I need to do that. Um, but I did, I think I went and backfilled all the uh, Patreon content on the website. So you should be able to find all that stuff on the website now if you look for it. But it just links you off to the Patreon. So better just go to the Patreon to find that stuff. Um, anyways, so uh, there's there's that. Um, in terms of uh, things that I plan to do here in the near future, the Doraemon video I think I'm going to edit, put together. Um, I think I'm going to be revisiting the Wii commercial video thing uh, for, the, for the Patreon. Uh, probably going to put some kind of Kaminazo gameplay up sometime soon-ish um i also am debating going and like revisiting my um model of ranked video like the 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 rankings of those games as i've kind of revisited those games slightly at this point and also because um xenoblade Th Th chronicles 3 needs to be on there um unfortunately the preset templates out there one the preset template i used before just actually does not include all the model of games on there i didn't realize so there's soma bringers missing from it no soma bringers on there dragon ball z attack of the saints was missing on there xenosaga 1 and 2 ds was missing on there things like that so i might make my own because none of them have xenoblade chronicles on there yet and i would like to rank that as well so we, you might get one of those videos um if i do that that'll probably be soon um so that might be like the next like quote minor major content right like, like the, the non-patreon minor content of me just talking in front of a microphone so yeah and then we'll try napple tail again next week and hopefully that'll work out Hey, if you're listening to this podcast through your ears and you want to see my face, I got a beautiful backdrop today where like a lady's mixing drinks. I got this dude playing with some puppets. I think the girl in Rhapsody Musical Adventure is a puppet tier, if I recall correctly. I think all her things are puppets and she's got a castle in the background. I guess he should probably be a lady, but whatever. Who cares? We got a lady here already. We got a guy here. Works out. They're there. Um, so anyway, so they're, they're hanging out there, but if you want to look at that backdrop while I talk at your face, there's a YouTube version of this podcast. The podcast gets unlisted after the week though, but the playlist is always there. If you want to go back and rewatch any of those. Um, and then if you are watching this on YouTube and you're like, I really don't need to see your face and I really don't need to look at your little backdrop here for a whole hour. Um, there's a, uh, audio version of this podcast on most podcast platforms. If you want to go check that out. So feel free to go to that. Otherwise... I think that's going to be it for now. Again, I'll try again for the Napple Tail stream this week, and we'll see what happens. I'll update you if that doesn't, and then uh, I probably will just do an offline recording if it doesn't work out. So, unfortunate, don't like doing that, but that is life. That life gives you lemons. You make fake streams, fake pre-recorded streams. <laughs> um, so, so yeah. Anyways, that's it. I hope you guys have a great week. Bye.